in effect, Trump did not comply with the requirement. What the National Archives, which is an independent agency, should have done is say, Mr. President, you have not sent us the certification required by law. Your request to have another six months to review these documents is not in accordance with law. We are ignoring your request, and we're going to proceed and release the documents anyway. That's what they should have done. You're listening to The Corbett Report. Welcome, friends. James Corbett here at CorbettReport.com. Today is November 8th, 2017, as I'm recording this conversation. And today we're joined on the line by Jacob Hornberger of the Future of Freedom Foundation at FFF.org, a website that I'm sure will be familiar to a lot of my listeners. But if not, you'll want to check it out. And it is a site that is, uh, from a libertarian angle, talking about individual freedom and limited government and uh, private property and those types of issues. Uh, But that's not quite what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about another side of uh, Jacob Hornberger's uh, research interests, namely the JFK assassination. Of course, uh, Jacob uh, Hornberger is the author of the Kennedy Autopsy, as well as uh, uh, Regime Change, the JFK Assassination, and co-author with Douglas Horn of JFK's War with the National Security Establishment, Why Kennedy Was Assassinated. So uh, the links to that will be in the show notes for today's uh, episode, as well as the Future of Freedom Foundation at FFF.org. Jacob Hornberger, thank you for joining us on the program today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me, James. Well, it's good to have you here today to talk about an important subject that obviously has been in the news for the last uh, week or two, as people will have seen. I've been talking about it for a few months now, knowing that this was coming up later this year and realizing that there'd be some shenanigans going on with this release of files from the CIA archives regarding JFK. But before we delve into the specifics of that, it may not be apparent to the casual listener or viewer why the Future of Freedom Foundation and FFF.org founder and president Jacob Hornberger would be so interested in the JFK assassination. What is your relation to the JFK story, and why are you uh, interested in researching it? Yeah, I'm glad you started out with that question, because I was intrigued by your introductory comment when you said, well, we're devoted to the principles of freedom and limited government, but we're going to talk about something else today, which is the Kennedy assassination. And actually, I see it as all part of the same thing, that we're talking about the concept of limited government. And that means a constitutionally limited republic to many libertarians. Uh, That is a government whose powers are extremely limited. They're enumerated to to those enumerated in the Constitution. Well, in the after World War II, the United States was converted from a republic to what we call a national security state. Uh, Big standing military force, secretive uh, agency, the CIA, with the power to assassinate people, the NSA, the power to spy on people. And combined with this was regime change operations, um, most, most of which are uh, foreign, where they, they oust a, uh, a ruler, maybe even democratically elected ruler, and install a pro-U.S. ruler in his stead. And so when I started getting into this concept of limited government, obviously most libertarians come in from the economic side, That's where I came in, the welfare state, the regulated economy, the drug war. But then we have the warfare state, the national security state, which violates the principles of limited government. And so when we look at the Kennedy assassination, we think we should think of it not so much in terms of conspiracy theories or just an assassination, but in terms of another regime change operation. So libertarians talk about the regime change operations in Guatemala, in Iran, in Chile. 
where the, the CIA ousted democratically elected leaders and installed um, pro-military, militarist uh, leaders in their stead, the Kennedy assassination was no different. Kennedy posed a grave threat to national security in their minds. He went to war with the national security establishment over the future direction of America. He was reaching out to the Russians and the Cubans in a spirit of peace and friendship. He was negotiating with them secretly to end the Cold War. And these were all things that, that Arbiz in Guatemala had done, that Allende in Chile had done, that Castro in Cuba uh, w had been doing. Uh, and so the national security state was faced with a choice. Do we leave a president in that is a grave threat to national security, that is threatening our country with a communist takeover, or do we do the what they consider the patriotic thing, the same thing they did in Chile and Guatemala and tried to do in Cuba? Do we oust the president from office and install a pro-militarist uh, president that will get us into Vietnam to stop communism and so forth? That's where this thing fits in with FFF's mission statement. And bada-bing, bada-boom, Gulf of Tonkin and Vietnam War and 50,000 Americans dead and however many millions Vietnamese and, and Laotians and others uh, dead as a result of that action. So pretty important. Um, I think we'll circle back to that idea, but let's get to the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about today. We're talking about this JFK Files release that's being talked about right now, or non-release perhaps would be the better way to put this, but uh, just to make sure everybody's on the same page, just tell us what what is this uh, dump of files from the CIA archives? What's happening now and why now? Well, when the after the assassination of both Kennedy and Oswald, the, the Warren Commission was appointed by Lyndon Johnson, who had succeeded Kennedy as president, in order to investigate the assassination. And after the Warren Commission published its report, which whose official narrative was that uh, Kennedy had been killed by a lone nut U.S. Marine communist, former U.S. Marine communist, with no motive, uh, they, they said that the most of the records that they had relied upon from the national security state uh, in their investigation would remain secret for 75 years. Now, this, this made no sense on the surface of this. I mean, if this is a lone nut, why, why is everything shrouded in national security secrets? Um, well, then you had the, the House Select Committee on Assassinations in, in the mid-70s reinvestigate the Kennedy assassination because clearly most Americans were not satisfied with the official narrative. They never believed it. And then even then, they, they kept many of the records secret. Well, in 1991, Oliver Stone comes out with his movie JFK, which directly posits that the Kennedy assassination was a regime change operation. And at the end of that movie, he has a little blurb that says they're still keeping their records secret. And the implication, of course, was that they're keeping it secret to advance their cover-up of what they did. Well, there was so much outrage from people that saw the movie that it was really an example of people power. They, people demanded that Congress do something about this secrecy over the vehement objections of the CIA, the military, and so forth, that wanted to keep these records secret. Well, Congress was forced to act and... Uh, George W. Bush was president at the time. H.W. Bush was president, and Bill Clinton boxed him in by saying, I support this law. And so Bush, who had been former director of the CIA, said, well, I support it too. So they enacted this, this law, the JFK Records Act, and it said it mandated that the CIA, the FBI, the Secret Service, and other federal agencies now finally had to end their secrecy and, and, and share their uh, JFK assassination-related documents with the American people. 
And to enforce this, they brought the Assassination Records Review Board into existence, uh, the ARRB. Well, thousands of documents, uh, hundreds of thousands of records came to be released as a result of that with very interesting information that Americans had never known about, especially relating to the autopsy on President Kennedy's body, and much evidence that pointed toward a cover-up. But somebody had slipped a provision in the law that said that even though the ARRB would go out of existence in 98, that the federal agencies had another 25 years to maintain the secrecy of their records. And that 25 years would expire on October 26, 2017. And at the time, they, they undoubtedly must, think, must be thinking, oh, well, what's another 25 years? By that time, who will care? A lot of us will be dead. And so lo and behold, the deadline was finally approaching uh, in the last few years. And some of us said, it's not going to matter. They're not going to release these. They're, they're too incriminating especially those relating to Oswald's trip to Mexico City, which is still shrouded in, in mystery. And sure enough, Trump comes out with this big, uh, two big tweets saying, oh, I'm going to release the records. And on the day of the deadline, he changes his mind and he prevails upon the National Security, the National Archives to keep the record secret with the exception of about 2%. Now, we're talking about tens of, tens of thousands of records, and they release the grand total of about 2%. And Trump says, well, we just need more time. The CIA needs more time. The FBI needs more time uh, to review these records, even though they've had at least 25 years to review them. And so we'll take a look at the situation again six months from now. Well, the law didn't give him that authority. It didn't give the National Archives that authority. The law was very clear. Unless he issues a certification that these documents are going to adversely affect national security, the National Archives was under a legal duty to release all records without redactions. They did not do that. The law was not complied with. And so now we're sitting with 2% of the records and 98% of them still being kept secret. So let's just underline that for people, that if Trump had done absolutely nothing, sat back and ate chocolate cake or whatever, instead of uh, so, you know, signing his memo, giving this, this carte blanche to all these agencies to redact whatever they want and take more time, then they would have been released or should have been released. But as it is, because Trump intervened, he actually intervened to give this magical amount of time to these agencies to continue redacting and, and holding back these documents. That's exactly right. And they were preparing for this. Uh, there's a video online from 2015 from a woman named Martha Murphy, who's an official with the National Archives, where she says, we are now preparing for this. And if Trump had done nothing, uh, then presumably, even if the CIA had wanted the National Archives to wait, the National Archives would have gone forward. But if you look at the, at the language of the statute, in effect, Trump did not comply with the requirement. What the National Archives, which is an independent agency, should have done is say, Mr. President, you have not sent us the certification required by law. Your request to have another six months to review these documents is not in accordance with law. We are ignoring your request and we're going to proceed and release the documents anyway. That's what they should have done. But they deferred to authority. And so now we're sitting with this kind of limbo land. You don't have the ARRB anymore. I should mention that, that these, um, these agencies made several requests during the term of the ARRB for continued secrecy. And President Clinton, to his credit, denied every single one. And of course, nothing happened. The United States didn't fall into the ocean and 
The federal government was taken over by the communists. So this, this national security rationale is patently ridiculous. These are 50-year-old records, and nothing's going to happen to the United States. In fact, what really is going to happen is the CIA is going to look pretty bad, in my opinion, when these records are finally released, if they are ever released. If they are, and that remains to be seen, despite what we're being told or being reassured. But we've heard reassurances in the past. And just to put this in perspective for people, uh, some 2% of the documents that were previously withheld in full, about 3,100 documents, 2% were released on October 26th. 52 of those documents. Uh, less than 10% of the 30,000 which had previously been released with redactions that were scheduled to go ahead with release have been released. So less than 2% of the previously withheld in full and about 10% of the previously redacted documents were actually released. Um, so an enormous amount of documents are being held back. And there has been, as far as I know, at least one more subsequent release of documents since that initial release. Another, I believe, 600-some-odd documents have been released, and they, uh, the note on the National Archives said that this is part of a revolving process that's going to continue for the next six months to meet this deadline that supposedly is going to be met uh, for next April, where supposedly all of these documents will be released. And just to be clear, this isn't, as I framed it earlier, just CIA documents. This is documents from all manners of agencies that have some some manner of uh, pertaining to the JFK assassination. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Well, let's talk about the, some of the documents that we have seen so far. And I will note that uh, I was here on my program a few months ago talking about this release and saying that it looks like they're trying to set something up to once again bring in the, well, did Oswald have Russian help angle to continue um, flogging the, the official story about Oswald. Uh, and lo and behold, one of the prominent headlines on USA Today after this release, JFK assassination files, Oswald meets KGB officer at Soviet embassy in Mexico City. As you were talking about before, the Mexico City trip being well churned in the mainstream press and obviously the KGB officer angle and all of this uh, swirling around. Tell us about this mysterious Mexico City trip and the types of documents that are coming out now regarding it. Yeah, if we go back to 1953, we, we find a long secret CIA memo. Well, it was, it was a report, a study. It was like a manual, a manual on assassinations. And it was clear if, as you look at that, that the CIA was, was specializing in assassination practically from the very beginning, and also cover-up. There's indications in, in, in the study of, of, of assassination, and you can read it online, where they said, you know, we can have contrived accidents to hide our role in these assassinations, and they have various ways to assassinate people, including, of course, with high-powered weapons, which they refer to, in which can be effective in assassinating public uh, figures. So you've got to assume that when the, when the CIA engages in a covert assassination, it's going to be first class. I mean, this is an organization that specializes in, in assassination, much like the mafia does. And so when you, you've got to put the Kennedy assassination in that context. Now, the standard question, James, is always, did Oswald act alone or did he uh, act in conspiracy with others? That's the wrong. That's not the only question. The other question is one that is consistent with our system of justice here. That's the presumption of innocence. I mean, we, we presume people innocent. Oswald was, in fact, saying that he was innocent. 
And it's fascinating to me that the mainstream media has never really examined whether that possibility is, is a possibility, that this was an innocent man. And, and notice that he went even further than that. He didn't just say, I deny I did this. He said, I am being framed. Uh, so if we look at it from that standpoint, all of a sudden everything starts changing. If this is a man who's been framed by the national security establishment, obviously secrecy is going to be an essential element in the cover-up. Because as good as you can make a case that a guy, when a guy's being framed, it's hardly ever perfect. So they can put the rifle there. They can have the, the little boxes set up where the assassination supposedly takes place. They can hide the rifle. Uh, they can do all sorts of things. Uh, the communism is his background to frame the guy, but it's never going to be perfect. Things are going to go wrong. And it's clear that when you start looking at the Mexico City side of this thing, everything went wrong with the Mexico City side. Now, if you look at it from the standpoint of the official narrative, that this guy was a communist, and even though he has no motive, because Kennedy is making peace with the communist world at this point. You know, why would a communist want to kill a president who's reaching out to the Soviet Union and Cuba in a spirit of peace and friendship? And that's what Kennedy's peace speech at American University was all about, in order to elevate Johnson, whose mindset was totally aligned with the national security establishment and was ready to, to send hundreds of thousands of troops to Vietnam to kill communists. Never makes any sense. But as you point out, they, they had this narrative where they were trying to establish um, Cas I mean, uh, Oswald's communist bona fides. He's going to the communist embassy. He's going to the Soviet embassy where he's meeting with, with a, a Soviet premier assassin. Now, what's come out in these documents, even just the 2%, this is what we keep, keep telling people, that if you're looking for a smoking gun like a videotape confession or a memo outlining how and why they, they did this regime change operation, you're never going to find that. Instead, it's the little tidbits of circumstantial evidence that fill in the mosaic. Now, what Jefferson Morley has uh, from JFKFacts.org, he's a former Washington Post reporter, has discovered is that the CIA was closely monitoring Oswald's activities in the, in the weeks prior to the assassination. That's something they have kept secret for decades. Morley uncovered it. And in this latest batch of documents, they, they unredacted a tiny provision in one of the records that shows that these monitoring reports were being secretly funneled to James Jesus Angleton, who was counterterrorism chief uh, for the CIA and who is widely believed by assassination researchers to have played a prominent role in this regime change operation. Now, the CIA does not report any of this. I mean, here's a guy meeting with this Soviet assassin. You would think the CIA, if this is all on the up and up, is out there calling the Secret Service saying, hey, we got this guy meeting with a secret assassin. He's moving to Dallas, calling the FBI. They keep it all close to their chest. Everything's secret. Uh, for decades, they keep this stuff secret. Now, does that stand to reason? I mean, these are, these are people whose job is to protect national security, to protect the president from assassination. Doesn't make any sense at all. But if you turn it around you, and you look at it in terms of a frame-up, that here's Oswald, who presumably is an intelligence agent, and that's what the rumors that were going around. The Warren Commission had a special top-secret meeting addressing that issue, whether Oswald had been a secret agent, portraying himself as a communist, which they had. 
they were infiltrating the Communist Party with agents that had the appearance of being genuine communists. Then everything turns around. This is a man who's being framed, and there, he's being maneuvered into positions to establish his communist bona fides. He's being ordered to Mexico City. He's being ordered to go to these embassies. And they're closely monitoring him. Why? To make sure that he hasn't figured out what they're doing to him. Because if he figures out he's about to be framed, obviously things are going to blow up. So when you look at it in the facts in those kind of circumstances where you've got a frame up of an innocent man, the pieces fall perfectly in place. Everything starts making sense as compared to trying to make the pieces fit in a puzzle that don't make sense, like the CIA discovering the guy's going to meet with a Soviet assassin and doing nothing about it but keeping it secret. You raise another important point of this, which is that if we are dealing with, uh, as Oswald said, I'm a patsy, if he was a patsy, if he was being framed and set up for this, then wouldn't that in it of itself be part of this document release? I mean, wouldn't the documents that we would eventually get 50 or plus years later, in a way, frame the narrative to be part of that frame-up. I mean, if they're trying to to paint this picture and this history of him, then all the documents we're going to get are going to be from that angle. If I'm making myself clear here, the, the, the frame-up is in the documentary record itself. Only indirectly and only by inference and analysis and circumstantial evidence. Because obviously there's not going to be a memo that's saying we're framing Oswald. No, 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 and- no, no. But they know that these tidbits exist. I mean, this is how they discovered how the the autopsy was bogus during the 1990s, because they discovered that there were two separate sets of photographs for the autopsy. They determined that there were two separate brain examinations in in the autopsy involving different brains. And they know that once the secrecy is lifted, People are going to look at these little tidbits. Let me give you an example that I just just have written about. They, they, they did release a long report, 20-page report from the FBI about what they were doing to monitor Martin Luther King, the FBI. I mean, why were they monitoring him? Well, because they, they, they were convinced he was a communist. This was the height of the Cold War. They were going after the Communist Party, the Fair Play for Cuba Committee, the McCarthy hearings, the Dalton Trumbo, the Hollywood Ten. Uh, and they were trying to blackmail King into committing suicide. Why? Because of this overarching concern about communists and communism and the Korean War and the Vietnam War, the Bay of Pigs, everything was, you know, the communists are coming to get us. Now, how is that relevant to the Kennedy assassination? Well, let's look at Oswald. Here's a self-avowed communist, supposedly. He's, he's a communist while he's in the military, which never made any sense. I mean, how many times have we seen a U.S. Marine communist? Uh, he got he got to be fluent in Russian in, in, in the military. You know, how would he do that without Russian tutors? Then he goes to the, the Soviet Union, supposedly defects, promises to release all the the secret information he had acquired, including when he was stationed in Japan at the base that housed the top secret U-2 plane. Uh, Then he comes back to the United States, and what do they do to him, James? They don't do anything. They don't persecute him. They don't harass him. They don't do any of the things that they did to Martin Luther King or the Hollywood Ten. They just leave this guy alone. And now he's out proselytizing for communism in New Orleans. He's passing out pamphlets to to troops that are coming off the ships. 
I mean, this is like in your face to the U.S. Navy where, you know, he, he had been part of the U.S. military forces. They don't do anything. They don't harass him, abuse him. Look what they're doing to Edward Snowden right now. Look what they did to John Walker Lynn. Look what they did to Martin Luther King. Lee Harvey Oswald, this grand uh, communist who they were aware of because they were monitoring him, he skates across the stage of history as a public self-avowed communist, and they don't lay a finger on him. Not one grand jury indictment, not even being hauled before a grand jury to testify what he gave the Soviets. None of that. So if we look at that, we can set, we infer from this that Oswald was not what he said he was, because if he said if he was what he said he was, they would have treated him exactly like they did Martin Luther King. Well, it, the Oswald story is so ludicrous when you look at what we're expected to believe as uh, and then line that up with his actual history. It is it is absolutely ludicrous. So you point that out. Well, what I was attempting to articulate, I think, quite poorly is the idea that um, the the documents that we end up getting through these releases are going to be documents that they want us to see. If the national security state still exists to a certain extent, they want us to see these documents, which will paint a certain picture. Oh, here's, you know, Oswald and meeting a KGB officer in Mexico City. Uh, I knew it all along. They can lead us with these document releases. And it does raise the question, well, should we be pouring through these documents that that they trickle down to us as if this is going to be you know the 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 cookie crumb trail that will lead us to the right house and not to the you know the evil woman's gingerbread house oh no you're absolutely right i mean look if if you start out with the assumption that they've done something uh incriminatory it's sad to reason that they're going to save the records that deeply incriminate them for the very last and they they'll throw out a few um, crumbs, as you put, point out, to say, oh, see, we're releasing records while they're obviously, logically, holding back the most incriminating documents. And the ones they're going to they're gonna hold back definitely are the ones on Mexico City, because like I say, everything went wrong there. I mean, where are the photographs? They, they were monitoring the Mexico City embassies. Uh, where are the photographs of that monitoring? Where are the telephone calls? They knew that Oswald had met with this Soviet uh, assassin, presumably. Where's the records of that? Who saw them? Where are the photographs of it? And so you're absolutely right. But even when they release, my point is that even when they release the ones that are less incriminating, they screw up. Like this, this one where they unredacted a document and Morley was able to figure out that all these secret reports we're going straight to James Hughes and Angleton. We didn't know that before the last week. That by redact, unredacting one small little code, Morley was able to figure out that the records are going to, to Angleton. So even though they're going to start with the ones that are favorable, like they just released one that said, we looked, we've looked in our records and determined that Oswald never worked for us. <laughs> well, duh, as if they wouldn't lie about such a thing. I mean, you know, recall when Richard Helms, CIA director, was called before Congress to and asked whether the CIA had done the regime change operation in Chile. He lied. He committed perjury. And he was celebrated at the CIA for lying. And, uh, of course, it was later turned out that he did lie and he got convicted. Uh, but the CIA thought he was fantastic. So they will lie to, to do what they consider is in the interest of national security. So you're right. These documents that they're releasing little by little are the less incriminating, but they still could screw up like they have already. Uh, but the big stuff, the stuff that they are not going to release, 
not even six months from now. That's where the real incriminating stuff is. Yeah. Well, I, I was just playing a bit of devil's advocate, and I always like to point out that uh, part of the ARRB's release back in the 1990s included the Operation Northwoods documents. We wouldn't know about Operation Northwoods if it wasn't for the ARRB releasing those are going through those documents and releasing them back in the 90s. And uh, that obviously is a, a pretty incredible um, thing that a lot of people have learned about in the ensuing decades that they don't really realize stems back to this JFK files release. And in fact, in the latest release, there's even more information on Operation Mongoose, the Cuba overthrow regime change operation, um, including a meeting that included Lang Lansdale, who was leading the operation, that they were talking about introducing biological agents to devastate uh, Cuban agriculture and crops. The only moral qualm they had about this potential operation and the fact that, you know, it would cause widespread economic pain and starvation, presumably, is that, well, we might be implicated if it goes wrong, so we have to have a very fail-safe way of doing that. Um, again, these types of documents do get released and are part of this, and, and I think those are quite important in shining a light on that national security state and what it really is, who it's really run by, and the types of things that they talk about behind closed doors that we find out about 50 plus years later. So I think there is a value to this. But let's, let's uh, finally, let's confront the other cynicism that I see around these kinds of JFK file releases, which is... Um, the, going back to what you were talking about at the very beginning, that JFK was the uh, was making some sort of peace overtures with the, the Russians and defusing the, the Cold War and, and was in that way a threat to the national security state. There are those who will say a president's a president. They're all in bed with the security state in some way or another. The Kennedy myth is of him being this virtuous, you know, Mount Olympus uh, god descended from heaven to lead the United States out of the, uh, the wilderness or whatever is a lot of um, myth and hoopla. And there is there is a lot of myth that is still propounded to this day about JFK ending the Fed and all of this. He had no intention of anything of the sort, but this still gets thrown around as the real reason that he got assassinated. How do we how do we confront that that type of cynicism that it wouldn't have made a difference? You assassinate them, you don't assassinate them. The the military industrial complex would have had their way. They would have had Vietnam one way or another by hook or by crook. Would it have made a difference if there was an assassination or if there wasn't? I don't think there's any question it would have made a difference. I mean, this was pretty close to the period of time where the national security state came into existence. And that was in 47. So we're talking about 47 to 60, 61, 62, 63. And Kennedy comes into office as pretty much a standard cold warrior, not completely. You know, he sympathized with third world independence movements, anti-imperialist movements like against the French Empire and the British Empire. And that is one of his distinguishing characteristics on his foreign policy views, because Alan Dulles, the head of the CIA and and other people in the national security establishment considered these third world movements as communists. But, but other than that, Kennedy comes into power as a standard cold warrior. He sees Cuba as a threat. That's why he approved the Bay of Pigs invasion. And keep in mind that, Os that, that Castro and Cuba never attacked the United States. They've never done anything to the United States. So here's a, here's a country that is attacking this third world country uh, because they were communists and because they were reaching out to the Soviet Union uh, in a spirit of, of friendship. And so as things progressed, the Bay of Pigs is a disaster. The CIA had misled Kennedy on purpose, had double-crossed him. So he, he takes responsibility, but he fires Dulles. 
He fires the deputy director of the CIA. He gets rid of a third guy. And there's clearly now a war. He doesn't trust the CIA anymore. He's, there's that famous statement that he's reputed to have made that said, I'm going to tear the CIA into a thousand pieces. He puts his brother Bobby supervising the CIA, which they hated. And then you've got the Cuban Missile Crisis, where the, the military, the Pentagon, the Joint Chiefs of Staff are telling him, you need to bomb Cuba. And as you point out, this occurred after Operation Northwoods, where they're trying to get Kennedy to come up with this fake you know, terrorist attack supposedly committed by Cubans to provide the excuse for invading Cuba. And now with the Cuban Missile Crisis, they're saying, now we have our excuse. You got these Soviet missiles there. And um, Kennedy says no. And so Kennedy strikes a deal where he agrees that he won't attack Cuba anymore, gets U.S. missiles out of Turkey, and the Soviets go home. Well, the Joint Chiefs of Staff considered this a huge betrayal. One guy says is the biggest lost military defeat in, in America's history. Well, it's at that point that Kennedy has this giant breakthrough. And he realizes that, that this whole Cold War is a bunch of bull, that it, it's, it's endangering America. He gives this famous peace speech at American University, which is worth everybody's read, where he says, you know, there's no reason why we can't live in peaceful coexistence with the Soviet Union, with the communist world. Then he starts getting secret negotiations, one-on-one -on -one negotiations with Khrushchev and Castro that circumvent the Pentagon and the CIA. So clearly he was moving America in an entirely different direction. He orders a pullout. Now, he had no combat troops in Vietnam. He never intended to send combat troops there. He had 16,000 advisors. He orders a pullout and says that as soon as he wins a 64 election, he's going to bring them back, uh, bring them all back. So here he is definitely moving America in a radically different direction. It's it's. He's challenging the whole mindset that the, that the communists are really a grave threat to America. The national security states, their mindset's totally different. You got regime change operations in Guatemala for doing the exact same thing Kennedy's doing, reaching out to the Soviets and the Cubans in a spirit of peace and friendship. In 73, there'd be the Chilean regime change operation. Same reason. Allende is reaching out to the Soviets and Cubans. And so... If that had happened, if Kennedy had, had stayed in office, there clear, things would have clearly come to a head. Now, I can't tell you who would have won, but clearly at that period of time, so close to the conversion of the U.S. to a national security state, where a lot of people were still alive that had lived without a CIA, without a big standing military establishment, without an NSA, it's very possible once the Cold War was over that people would have said, hey, what do we need this apparatus for? Uh, things might have been entirely different. But what's important to keep in mind, he was the only president that was willing to stand up to this military establishment, and he was fully aware of the dangers. He told uh, uh, aides that he understood the, the possibility of a military coup or regime change operation. He even had the movie, the novel, Seven Days in May. He contacted friends in Hollywood saying, make this into a movie to serve as a warning to the American people how dangerous this political structure is to their democratic processes, to their liberties. It was a warning that Eisenhower had given in his farewell address in 1961. And we learn now from these this new release of records that one source inside the Soviet Union at the time was reporting to the CIA that uh, the Soviets believed that this was a high-level conspiracy. So... <laughs> 
surprise, surprise. Um, perhaps they knew what was uh, what was really happening and what was at stake. Um, there's so much to talk about with this. So uh, we will direct people again at this point to your blog where you're keeping track of uh, this and you've been writing about this at FFF.org. We'll also direct people to the books again that I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation. But are there any other sites, any researchers, any writers that you'd like to direct people's attention to when it comes to these uh, files and what's being released? Well, I think jfkfacts.org is the absolutely best website to keep track of what's going on, especially with the, the release of the files. That's the one that's, that's being run by Jefferson Morley, the former Washington Post reporter, who has just published a great book, a biography of James Jesus Angleton. And uh, then there's another website called kennedysandking.com that is a great website. Uh, there's another one called Assassination Research something or other. I can't remember the exact name. They're doing some great stuff. So there's a lot of people out there that are saying, hey, it's time to release all these records. Even some of the, the apologists for the CIA are saying, let's release these records. And uh, I don't think they, they appreciate the significance of what's going to happen if people see these records, especially on Mexico City. But hey, it's been 50 years, James. The, the idea that these records are being kept secret to protect national security is so patently uh, fake and bogus that it boggles the mind that people are still buying into this. So those are the websites that I'd recommend people to come to, as well as our website, FFF.org, and the several books that we've published on the assassination. One final book I'd recommend everybody to read, which I think is the best introduction to what happened, is JFK and the Unspeakable by a man named James Douglas. Uh, that, that outlines this entire mosaic, this paradigm of a national security state regime change operation better than any book I'm aware of. All right. Well, we'll leave today's conversation there. Again, I hope people will follow your work. Jacob Hornberger, Future of Freedom Foundation, FFF.org. Thank you very much for your time today. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you, James. Enjoy the visit. The Corbett Report is brought to you by the Data DVD series. From 2007 to 2016, each set of Data DVDs contains every podcast, every article, every video, and every interview from that year's the website. Celebrate the Corbett Report's decade of alternative media dominance by owning it all, only on these Data DVDs. For more information, please go to corbettreport.com slash data DVD.